0: Welcome back. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. And as you can tell by the music introduction, we're talking about Amazing Grace on different levels. Um, the Amazing Grace that's with us all the time. And one of our relatives, friends, sisters, daughters, whose name is Grace, we're going to hear about her today. And it's going to be a story that personalizes the situation that we're all being faced with right now. Where even though it's really hard to grasp because normal people want to see everything as similar to their own worldview and they have a hard time grasping most of us when, when things get really, um, changed by the presence of, of different forces that are not so friendly. And the real reality of the situation right now is that in most of the world, positions of power in government corporations and certainly the medical system agencies and things like that have mostly been infiltrated by negative forces that are involved in a larger agenda to uh, basically enslave and exterminate life. And that's a bottom line that's come out of decades and decades of invest- investigation. And we have a friend here today who's been personally involved in the results of that, Scott Shara, or Shara, you have to tell me if I'm pronouncing it right. Shara, I'm sorry. And um, his daughter Grace was one of the victims of this agenda, and we're going to talk about that in respect to what it says about the medical system, the hospital system, the uh, mind control that we're all being subjected to right now, and uh, details of what's happening and solutions. So it should be super interesting and relevant to your life. Welcome, Scott, and thanks for giving us some time. I appreciate it.
1: Well, the the pleasure's mine. It's an honor to, to be on on the program. So thank you very much. Nice yeah. introduction. Also.
0: Great. Um, okay, so just in case people don't know, this is related to the so-called COVID pandemic. And as we've had many of the doctors that see through that, there is a toxic element that started that so-called pandemic, and it was clearly released by humans, uh, but there's no clarity that it has anything to do with a virus. You know, we're not going to beat around the bush here. If you want to ban us, that's fine. But for the people that are willing to listen, uh, this is not repetition of some kind of theory. This is what we found directly. Uh, Real science, I agree with um, CDC and NIH and all those organizations, that you have to follow real science. It's just that they're not doing that. And what real science does is it questions everything, including what the scientist believes. It's never settled. And when you want to show that there's a virus and a pandemic, one of the things you have to do is to show that it exists, and you do what's called isolating it. Nobody did that in this case. But there are patents that have been explained um, by many of the scientists and doctors that are willing to be honest about it, that go back to the early 2000s. And then now we're announced that this virus is killing everybody and it's meant to instill fear and facilitate control. And the results of that and the hospitals are working for money and there may be some good ones around. I haven't found them yet. Um, and there may be some good people working in them. But for to a great extent, They've been willing to carry out murder for money instead of questioning the system. And as long as we're all willing to do that, we don't have a very good future. So we're looking at a decision to go against the status quo and tell the truth. And I think relevant to that is the story of uh, Grace Shara. Shara. And we need to hear what happened in all the context of that. So maybe you'd share it with us, Scott.
1: So I, I just would like to comment on a f- couple of things that you just said in your open. One is, um, you know, are there good hospitals? And, you know, so the answer to that question is yes. And it, the reason I know that is because three days after Grace died, I went to a different hospital and I was, I just about died the first night and I would credit them with saving my life. Wow. And it's because they did not do anything that was done in the hospital that Grace was killed at. So there are some, you know, one of the take-home messages is is exactly that. You can't get a hospital. By God's grace, I, I uh, got into a right hospital. Uh, it wasn't one that, uh, and, and interestingly, it shares a driveway with a hospital that if we would have went in the other driveway, they share emergency room driveways, I would have been killed. Wow. Uh,
0: Do you want to mention the good hospital's name?
1: Yeah, with St. Vincent's Hospital in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Grace nice. dies. St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin. We live halfway between Appleton and Green Bay, and so
0: oh, okay. Um, yeah, we because just, we should support and, and promote places where they're doing good work.
1: Then the the other uh, thing that I want to mention <laughs> up front is when I go through what happened with Grace, I want you to get a picture of this as the new standard of care. This is where all of our research is going and why I keep going is with anybody that will have me on because Grace's death has nothing to do with COVID. So a lot of the people who are watching who are already awake, they're awake to remdesivir and ventilators. Grace was Mm -hmm. not on either. Um, She was taken out by end-of-life meds and an illegal DNR. And this is already the standard of care in the UK, and it's illegal in the United States. So, you know, when when we eventually get to the lawsuit, you know, this will all get exposed. But, you know, lawsuits take a lot of time. So, I mean, I am out on the trail sharing this because this standard of care, when I first saw it with grace, and then I learned it's the standard of care already state-sanctioned, so, I mean, in the United States, this is becoming the sa- the standard of care behind the scenes. So when I first saw this with Grace, I thought, you know what? I bet you she's the first one who got where they were caught. And so we've heard of a number of them since then. Um, and it's, it's going to become the norm unless for some reason, uh, it gets stopped either by our, our lawsuit or others. And, um, or God chooses to step in, but you know, to use end of life meds and an illegal DNR on somebody to take them out is you know it's unconscionable.
0: Well, uh, what was she officially in the hospital for?
1: For COVID pneumonia.
0: Okay, but you said it had nothing to do with COVID.
1: Her death had nothing to do with COVID.
0: Oh, you mean she, she didn't die from COVID? She died from the others, from the treatments.
1: She died from the treatments, absolutely, but it wasn't the treatments that you hear about all the time with remdesivir and ventilation. Um, She didn't, we never approved a vent and she was never on remdesivir. So she died from them using a combination of meds that should never be used on a person unless they're in hospice and it's end of life. And in, in order to facilitate it, they put an illegal DNR on her. So then when it was time to, Uh, use the reversal drug and save her. They wouldn't even do it.
0: What was the excuse for putting her in that status?
1: I can't answer that. I mean, they they have refused to meet with us. I don't know what their, their is. Right. Okay. Yeah. There is no excuse. I mean, I, I believe the excuse was that she is disabled. You know, um, so, just uh you know if we jump in, I just always start every time t- telling a little bit about grace i know your your um the our amazing grace or not our amazing grace song is is right on grace was amazing um she's you know the she is the instant motivation for for telling the story you know when when we had grace we were we were um we made a conscious decision to let God lead in the baby department. We were 39 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a 14 year old son named Travis, a 12 year old daughter named Jessica. And we're 39. I mean, we just had the, you know, the, the 2.1 kids, 1.7 dogs. And you know, the whole right. thing supposed to have right. Yeah. So then we uh, decided to let God lead and he blessed us with grace. We named her grace after God's grace. Right. And when uh, she, uh, she was a, she was a real gift. She was an angel. She was super high functioning. Uh, my wife um, did a fantastic job with homeschooling her. She could read and write. You know, I did the dad things. I taught her how to drive a car when she was thirteen. Wow. You know, you know the stuff you're not supposed to do, right? But I mean, she she just <laughs> she could do everything. She was. The yeah.
0: reason that you're mentioning this, you should also include, is that she had Down syndrome, right?
1: That's right. So I'm mentioning this because, you know, she was disabled with Down syndrome. But, you know, if I look at Grace compared to, to me, um, I'm the disabled one. Right. Because Grace, <laughs> well, Grace had a gift that, that, um, is the only time I know I can do it is when I'm sleeping, which is she loves the unlovable. Right. You know, I have a hard right. time with that. I just, you know, when somebody is, is a pain in the rear end, or an idiot, or whatever it is. I mean, I have a hard time loving them.
0: You know, most many of us believe in doing that, but doing it in real life yeah. is a whole different yeah. level,
1: right? And Grace did it in real life, real time, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. She was she was wonderful. I mean, I I have never missed somebody like this. Wow. She she just was she was a real gift. Um, I'll just tell you, Father's Day was just on Sunday and I'll just tell you, uh, uh several Father's days ago <laughs> when it was, uh, probably five, maybe longer than five years ago, but I said, Grace, let's go fishing. And so we have a couple ponds in our yard. and I said, we're going to, yeah. we're going to catch our, we're going to catch our supper. So if we don't catch anything we're not eating. Right. And so we, we caught, uh, three real nice perch and a crappie, a big, huge crappie. And so I put them in a pail and you'll know, get, Done and and uh, she had named the crappie Angel, and so um, you know, I start doing the cleaning and she starts crying. And my wife is there, she said, Well, you get you, know, she's crying, what are we gonna do? You know, I said, Well, Cindy, that the the fish are you know, that ship has sailed already, you know, they've been in a bucket too long, they're not gonna live if I throw them back, and so uh. You know, Grace, Grace, she really understands the circle of life, and this is right. a great story. So, you know, she's crying because Angel is going to get, you know, filleted. And, right. And ultimately, my, my wife made up the fish, and uh, she ate Angel with a smile on her face and, and loved, oh, loved it. <laughs> so, oh, wow. it just she, got, she really got stuff. Uh, Compassion
0: was, for all life forms.
1: Yeah, for all, and we, pets, and uh, anyway, that's a little bit about Grace. So, wow. moving on to her hospital stay. Grace was 19 years old. Um, she had she got COVID around September 28th, and we were fully prepared for COVID at home. We had all the frontline doctor's materials, including a a nebulizer, ivermectin. Uh, Grace was on a vitamin protocol beforehand. Um, right.
0: Well, wh- wh- what kind of symptoms? I mean, since we know, even though we're told otherwise, there is no test to show that anybody has COVID.
1: Uh, just I, fake, yeah, fake. She just had it, She really just had a runny nose at that time. Okay. So the reason we, we say now it was COVID at that point is because October 1st, we did a home test. She tested positive. We did a home test because of the fact that, you know, she just, in our opinion, she just had a cold. But we thought, well, we, we have a wedding we want to go to. We thought, well, let's test her just to make sure we're not spreading it at the wedding. So she tested positive. We stayed home. Again, we didn't think anything of it. But then we were monitoring her oxygen and her oxygen saturation uh, on October 6th was She couldn't get above 90. She was in the high Mm eighties. And so that we perceived as an emergency. And so ultimately that led uh, to a trip to urgent care and then to the emergency room uh, at urgent care. They did a a blood test and saw that she had high D dimer. So they, you know, they, they, they set this all up as an emergency. And at this point, I mean, I, as a person, I have a, before all of this happened, I had a healthy distrust for, you know, the whole system. You know, right. so I, I really thought the hospital is part of the system. Um, you know, the, you know, the government bureaucracy is, is got a wide net. But so it was just a healthy distrust. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that I thought that the whole thing is completely corrupt, which is what I believe now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and
0: she hadn't right. been vaccinated, right? She, she. That's didn't... correct.
1: She had never been vaccinated with anything.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And so, um, that was one of the things, which this is great. You can just keep firing questions as we go. That's the way to do oh, yeah, it. Yeah. I
0: hope you don't um, mind. I'm not, not meaning no, to I, interrupt or
1: anything. No, I prefer that because okay. people, I I know this story inside and out. So asking right. the question live is the best way to do it. Okay. So, good. Yeah. She was not vaccinated. And on top of that, they, they mentioned the fact that she wasn't vaccinated in the hospital record so much so they they said bluntly if Grace would have been vaccinated, she would not, uh, would not be here. That's right in the doctor's report. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so you I mean, were, ba-
0: uh, according to them, you were really a bad parent.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm. uh And, you know, many other things. I mean, they had not only that we're not vaccinated, they've had the fact that we're Christian, that we're following the frontline doctors' misinformation campaign. That's what they call it. Wow. Um, A danger to everybody. The thing that really put me over the top with the bias is that there were 22 doctors' reports for the seven days Grace was in. So every time a doctor would come in the room, the protocol is they have to write a report. So we have right. all those doctor's reports, and they reference the fact that Grace had Down syndrome 36 different times in those 22 reports.
0: Right, just uh, in case you forgot, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, mm-hmm. so I mean, those, those are the four, um, biases that, that I, I, uh, I have charted. Um, and, you know, it was just, there was an overall bias of, um, an aloofness you know, looking down on, you know, of course. you're just a dad, you don't know anything.
0: You're not even a doctor. I mean, how could you right. have any judgment? Do you, one question without losing your train of thought there, when they were saying repeatedly she wasn't even vaccinated or, you know, and that's your fault that she was in the hospital. Do you think that um, the medical personnel and nurses and doctors and everybody that wrote that stuff, are they really so uninformed that they believe that? Or is there something else going on? I mean, they might be.
1: Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of theories on, on that topic.
0: These uh, are not stupid people.
1: Right, they are not stupid people. Um, it is rare. So, I mean, I, I have heart disease. And when I, when I first was diagnosed with heart disease, I started researching and I found out the same pattern. That the doc, the cardiologists are uneducated. On, so I, I invested about three hundred hours studying heart disease, and I found out the cardiologists were uneducated on heart disease. Yeah. Uh, if it so, didn't
0: come from the school or the uh, drug companies, then why look at it, right?
1: Correct. So yeah, it's uneducated is certainly a piece of it, um, but think think it through this way. So. You know there you you still have a responsibility if you're uneducated on a topic to to do research, especially when you see a pattern so just a simple example that I would share is that if you are going to reshingle your house, so you buy the shingles, you buy the shingle nails, and you start laying the shingles down and if you hit your thumb with the hammer, so you'd think, "Oh my gosh, that hurt." Then you hit your thumb again with the hammer and again with the hammer. So now you got three hits of the thumb with the hammer under your belt. Aren't you going to, at that point, if some light bulb is going to come on and say, you know what? I might be holding this nail wrong, right? I mean, isn't, it just... It's like, isn't you know, it, isn't no.
0: that what they used to call, uh, what was it, common sense?
1: Well, it's it's <laughs> common sense and critical thinking. But so now... I overlay that simple example with, you know, I just, I'm a doctor. I just saw a patient die from remdesivir in event. Well, now another one died of remdesivir in event. In fact, boy, every time I do remdesivir in a the patient dies. So that would motivate me then that evening after I know my shift, after three patients died to start going online and say, you know, what are the alternative treatments?
0: right so so they're just really well trained that if a question about that comes up, where to look? You look at the um, drug manufacturer's manual and they say in there there's no correlation, and then you know there's no correlation, and that's the end of it
1: It just seems so crazy you know <laughs> and, and yeah i mean they're 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 looking you know in. And, and, yeah, you know, they're looking in the wrong source. I mean, it, but then you know, the, there's an awful lot of money behind this. Yeah, uh, you know, so then there's fear. Uh, there's also, you know, after the Adolf Eichmann trial in 1961, the Milgram obedience experiment was was put out. So there's yeah. also that going on. Um, yeah, there's also a, a certain segment of the population who actually believes they're doing. Of doing society a favor by taking out people like Grace and the elderly, right? You know, so there's, there's, you know, it's it certainly uh, the there is a percentage that are genuinely uneducated, but I think that percentage is extremely rare because you know they could only be uneducated after the first three deaths. After that, you can't be uneducated anymore.
0: I don't know. I th- I think. The psychological programming is really sophisticated and effective uh, not safe but effective and um, it's meant to kind of armor these people against common sense so that if they see 30 deaths right after taking remdesivir on the ninth day or whatever um, they look it up in the journal that says remdesivir is great and that's the end of it so they're you're kind of conditioned to look in one place for the answer, no matter how many times it happens.
1: I think that's I think that's right. The psychological conditioning. I want to mention something that this is where our research is headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 term is banality of evil. This came out of the Adolf Eichmann trial too, um, and so banality means common. So evil is so commonplace, you don't recognize it. So in, in Nazi Germany, that was happening. Um, yeah. in, in Nazi Germany, the difference was, is they were even publishing the evil. So they had the whole society in on taking out the disabled. So right. the disabled were taken out before the Jews. So the, um, So it was published. So now our society is much more sophisticated, but the, so the commonplace or the banality of evil. So now it's, it was, was, um, published and, um, dirty back then. Now it's not published and clean. So now the lab coats are the ones doing it. The doctors and nurses were involved back then, too. But, I mean, they're doing it with the the jab. They're doing it with the hospitals, which you'll hear in Grace's case. Right. Um, they've been setting this up for decades. Yeah. You know, 67% of Down syndrome children are, are already aborted. Um, and a young person who gets pregnant is already convinced by their doctor to get an amnio. Um, if the amnio shows a negative outcome, they're encouraged to get an abortion. So, this is this right. uh, psychology that you're talking about is already there. Similarly, what do we do with the elderly? You know, so right. when I was a kid and you were a kid, it was very uncommon to use a nursing home for your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, now yeah. that is, it's autom- automatic.
0: Well, it's on both ends of the life spectrum. It was very uncommon. To somehow raising your kids to a preschool daycare
1: place. Bingo. So this banality of evil, um, it's just way more sophisticated today than it was back then. Yeah. That's why you see so many people are in on it, and they don't even know they're in on it.
0: No, they're just following orders of the authority, and the authority has either a white coat or credentials or something.
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: And then the ones that up higher in the system they have additional motivation in threats to their family or bribes and other things like that It's pretty complex
1: it's it's extremely complex and um, it's it's uh it's scary complex uh yeah i'm not scared of it i mean i'm glad i'm woken up, but i mean it it's when I say scary complex is is they've got not only people doing this, but I mean the whole society has been indoctrinated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so let's go back to the story when you were taking yes.
1: Grace into urgent
0: care. What happened? So,
1: yeah, so then we end up in the emergency room. They did a CT scan because of the high D dimer uncovered in the in the um, urgent care uh, that came back negative. Um, a question that is a logical question is, well, if you're on the frontline doctor's protocol, why did Grace's oxygen drop? And, and so I researched that because I ended up in a, as I said at the beginning, in a different hospital three days after Grace died. And my oxygen was substantially lower than Grace's and Grace never had a breathing problem. I was gasping for air.
0: Yeah. That's what so, I was going to ask you if she was having breathing trouble.
1: No, none whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I, it, when, when I first got to the hospital, you know, I, I had the same thing. The doctor asked me at the emergency room doctor, are you vaccinated? I said, no. And he starts lecturing me on vaccinations. And I said, listen, I yeah. do not need this lecture now. I need oxygen. I said, I can't breathe. Yeah. And, um, and anyway, you know, <clears throat> fortunately when I got checked into the room, the attitude of the staff there was completely different and they were fantastic. Like I said, they me. Okay. But ultimately, Dr. Chetty is the one who connected the dots for me. He's a South African doctor, and he had about 8,000 patients with the Delta variant, and he concluded that if you have a genetic disposition to clot and produce inflammation, which I have both of those... Mm -hmm. uh, that it's going to impact your oxygen saturation if you have the Delta variant. So I believe Grace would have inherited those from me. She was never diagnosed, but I mean, it would be logical because my wife's symptoms were even worse than Grace's and mine, but she never went below 95% oxygen saturation. So So Grace
0: was being affected by blood clots to some degree because of the D-dimer result.
1: What? Well, she, they did a CT scan and, and same as me, I had a CT scan. I didn't have any clots, but, but I have a clotting disorder. Okay. So I've had two surgeries, lifetime, both surgeries. I ended up with blood clots. That's why I know I have a clotting disorder. Okay. And my heart, my heart disease was produced by inflammation. Um, so I knew I have both of those. And that's, that's why I believe that both Grace and I were impacted that way.
0: So I, I would imagine that you've learned natural things to do for the heart condition, too, at this point?
1: Correct. I mean, it, it's, uh, I did a complete, you know, so once you do the research, you realize what's going on. And my primary care doctor was, I mean, he's one that gets it. So, I mean, I went in and I wow. showed him what's going on. And, and I said, listen, this is what I'm doing. And then he let me order my own test. You know, I, you always have to have the doctor sign up, but he would sign off yeah, yeah. on everything that I wanted because he, he said, you know, you what you know is 10 years ahead of what we know.
0: Wow. So what trusted. a wonderful doctor.
1: It was great. I mean, that is such a strange thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, so then I, I ordered all my own tests. I get my blood work and then you see, oh boy, I mean, I was borderline diabetic, even though I yeah. always healthy. I mean, I, I was healthy and there's, I only got this, the CT scan for my heart because I was going in for my 55 year old physical.
0: Right, right. I just right. asked
1: the doctor, "Should I do the scanning?" And he just casually said, "Might as well." You know, like it's no biggie. You're healthy, and then, you know, then I got uh-huh. the bad news. So, okay.
3: anyway, that,
1: that sure. doesn't matter. That's we're getting off off track. But anyway, okay. the, so now you know. Ultimately, the emergency room physician recommended that we admit Grace to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She framed it such that, you know, we'll put Grace on oxygen and the steroid. Uh, she'll be here for, you know, three, four days and um, get her out of here. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. I said, I'll be staying with her. And they, the attending nurse said, well, you can't. I said, well, what's the reason? She said, we don't allow visitors on the COVID wing. I said, well, then I'll be taking Grace home. And um uh, she came back after two hours, and we had a meeting, and decided you can stay yeah. as long as you don't leave the room. So, I mean, that's how I got in the room. So, I mean, Grace's case is unique in you know, very few people have been in the room. And very, yeah. my background before the business I own now is that I'm still legally a CPA. And so, CPAs are used to audit trails and taking notes. And so, I mean, right. I was, Notes the whole time I mean, I'm researching, taking notes. Every time they bring up something, I look it up, see what's going on. I had a doctor friend on the outside that helped. And um, so, I mean, that I have contemporaneous notes that that helps this whole credibility of the story. And, you know, that's, and that's one reason I was able to do all this research is, is because of that skill set. And so I mean, you know, praise God that He gave me that that skill to right. we'll put all this together.
0: Yeah, um, that was important, especially um, for whatever legal cases it leads to. Those are all based on recording data and observation, correct? Documentation stuff like that.
1: So the first day then we we were in the emergency room then uh, approximately ten hours about midnight on October seventh. Uh, we got into the room um, that first day on October 7th was was fantastic. That first night was was fine other than the alarms were going off constantly. And so I, I requested that they have the alarms go off at the nurse's station, and they lied to me and said that they can't. The reason I know it's a lie is because the other hospital that I went to, I requested the same thing, and they respected my wishes. Uh, so
0: when you're looking at incidents like that, Lying about the alarms. What do you think is the mentality behind that? It's just saying, "Well, this is inconvenient. Just tell them whatever you know, and don't do it."
1: Well, the the biggest um, problem with our human condition is the desire to control. So, I mean, I just see it as that. You know, we, we it's all just
0: a it. way to control you.
1: Right. We all want. We, I mean, that's how we're all wired that way, unless you submit mm-hmm. to God, but you know so i just saw it as you know they're wanting to control um okay. versus the other hospital you know they 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 respected my wishes i i can hardly believe it right uh, i mean I, I believe i was put into that other hospital so that i could objectively tell this story
0: yeah like, and oh, see oh, the con- see the contrast
1: right because otherwise you don't really realize but then you see oh my gosh this hospital saved my life and this hospital did this. I mean, and virtually every single step was different. Wow. Uh, you know, so then then as I started studying, you see the money and you see how all this fits together, then you can see, I mean, it's, um, there is a standard of care that will save people's lives, but I mean, it's it takes unfortunately, it, you know, it should just take the Hippocratic oath, but it, it takes a doctor and nurse to stand up now against the narrative and you know very few are willing to do that because you know their paycheck and their livelihood and everything they went to school for that's all on the line if you go against the narrative
0: absolutely yeah some of them some of them are personally attacked
1: the um the next thing that the most the the first significant thing that happened, so I'm just gonna go through two significant events um because it gives you kind of frames frames this whole thing and they're very important events so the the first one was the morning of October eighth, so this was the morning of the second day, and a pulmonologist came in at eight o'clock in the morning and said, You're gonna to need to put your daughter on a ventilator in the next two hours." The, and so I said, what is that recommendation based on? And he said, we did a blood gas draw last night, and the results show Grace is not doing well. So I asked about the timing of the blood gas draw, and he explained, and I said, I don't think those numbers are accurate. And the reason they're not accurate is because what they did to Grace is they started her on a regular cannula for oxygen, And then they, you know, strange that, you know, they have these ways and this is a, this is a way. So grace, grace, uh, had sleep apnea so i had her sleep apnea machine there when we did the research after the fact we found out i mean she could have just used her own sleep apnea machine that's all all we needed to do right they had me convinced that this oxygen is an emergency and it didn't take much because i perceived that as an emergency
0: so this blood gas test is it saying theoretically well supposedly that There's too much CO2 and not enough oxygen, something like that.
1: Well, he didn't. I don't remember that he pointed to a specific situation. But what had happened the night before is Grace was on a regular cannula. Then they switched her to a high flow cannula, which she didn't like at all. And then we went to a bipath. And so there was a period of a couple of hours where it was a very frustrating time where I'm working with the two nurses and we're trying to get Grace to settle down because she's really irritated with this high flow cannula. So at yep, yep, the high point of that, her blood pressure was at 235 over 135 and her heart rate was 150 beats a minute. So I, my own. You know, common sense says, you know, if you take a blood gas draw during that window, it can't be accurate. So I asked him to take another draw, which they did, and Grace was fine. So then I asked him, what is the prognosis? See, they
0: should be apologizing at that point, right? Well,
1: I I agree. (laughs) Wait till you hear the next story. But I asked him then, what is the prognosis? if Grace goes on a ventilator, and he said only 20% of people walk out alive when they're on a ventilator. The attending nurse started crying, and I got to talk with her, and she she, heard, she had a daughter named Grace, and the reason she's crying is she knew that if I approved a ventilator, Grace was going to die. At this point, I knew nothing about ventilators other than I just thought it was a tool because of how President Trump had rolled out the ventilator shortage at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, so because I started, he knew
0: it, nothing about it. That's why he did correct.
1: it. I think it was unknowingly. So yeah. I um, I started looking at ventilators. I found out that the real numbers are about 15% walk out alive. And of those 15%, most have... Um, have sit- significant trouble such that they die in the first year after having an event, an event really is not a tool that should ever be used with COVID pneumonia. Uh, COVID pneumonia is an inflammation problem. It's not, I mean, I don't know if they were, they're labeling it pneumonia on purpose to get people thinking of it differently or not, but you know, it's, it's all a bunch of lies with respect to that. So we made the decision at that point, we're not going to put grace on a ventilator Um, and they asked us after that first attempt, they asked us for a pre-authorization, us, my wife, Cindy, and I, for a pre-authorization just in case. I mean, the just in case they framed such that, well, you know, these type of things happen in the middle of the night when we can't get a of the family. So we'd like you guys to make a decision on this so that. You just in concerned.
0: case we can kick you out of the room and okay. do it in private.
1: Bingo. And that's what <laughs> I out. So we rejected that request. Every single time that they they asked, ultimately, <clears throat> so now we dodged the ventilator bullet. Then um, after Gray's died, I found out the why behind it. You know that's where the big money is. If you can get right. on a ventilator, they make about three hundred thousand dollars on a ventilator. So it's it's yeah. it's the jackpot for them. So you get the the why behind it, but you know it's way deeper than the money. The money is just the grease that's making it. Absolutely.
0: Happen. But there are levels in the system where they only know about the money. So pressure. the hospital administration may know about the money and put a lot of pressure on the doctors to make the people yeah. agree to it.
1: Well, there's huge pressure. In the case of Grace's hospital state it was Ascension Hospital System. Ascension Hospital System is 142 hospitals. Yeah. They received from the federal government... In the first year, just the first year of COVID, they received ten billion dollars in in bonus money
0: for 142 hospitals. That's correct. That's a lot per hospital.
1: Just think about what that means. I mean, so you can see the financial temptation. So you look at the the three legs of the stool that I see with the hospital administration is first the financial temptation, Mm you know. Too much, it pushes them over the top. Then they have immunity from liability under the PREP Act, right. and they have a shroud of secrecy. So when you hear the vent and Remdesivir stories, which I've heard tons of them, we have fifty some stories on our website, and you know people are reaching out to us all the time. And it's always in the in the shroud of secrecy when they do these vents, yeah. and um, you know, so you have that three way combination, and you know they they're getting away with murder. So
0: um, yeah, and that's not a you know expression or something you just say they're literally committing mass murder
1: well in grace 's case, it only about five six weeks ago, I have started saying on the air that I believe grace 's case was premeditated murder, and it 's because i 'm analytical I mean most people are calling it murder at the beginning, but I had to prove it myself and yeah, the, the amount of evidence that I have now has put it over the top for me personally where that's what I'm calling it. Right. Because that's what I believe now. Um,
0: and that's from the details that you're in the middle of explaining, right?
1: Correct. Now yeah and especially when we get into you know I'm just setting up the story right now with these type of things to give you this just gives you the perspective of the hospital, so they have this one perspective they're trying to push a vent, then the other one is they have an incentive to falsify records so on October ninth the um grace's grace got up. She wanted to eat, so I ordered food. I started feeding her. Of course, you know, Grace can feed herself, but not with a BiPAP mask on. Right, and the right. Nurse, and the nurse came running in and said, you can't do that. And I said, what's the reason? And she said, uh, her oxygen saturation is only 85%. And so I had all of my COVID materials in the room, which included my own oxygen um, finger meter, the pulse mm-hmm. And so I processed what she said for about 15 minutes, and I thought, this cannot be right. I mean, she was on a regular cannula in the emergency room, and she's in the high 90s, and now you got this BiPAP mask on. It can't be at 85. So I put my finger meter on, Grace, and it read 95%. And so now the nurse, I called the nurse back in, and I said, is my finger meter accurate? And she said, yes, it is. And I said, well, why is my $50 meter more accurate than your $50,000 Machine. Right. He said because the leads get sweaty. And I said,
0: because, you know, because oh, I didn't hear you. Because what? Because
1: the, the leads get sweaty. The, you know, so they had this finger meter on Grace, but it has leads on it. Yeah. Uh, Underneath, they have it taped on her finger. And so I said, well, if that's a known, why don't you proactively change these leads out every three or four hours or whatever it takes, given that this is the primary tool you're using to make recommendations for my daughter's care? And she snottily responded, you should just be thankful you caught this again you you like you said with the other one, you think that they would apologize, but I mean you know no. i'm just dumb, I'm just a dumb dad,
0: you know the programming is not just to misunderstand the situation, the programming is to get mad if it's questioned
1: absolutely, you know, and she she certainly we can't
0: talk it. about it
1: Great, yeah. right. she showed the way she was, no doubt about it, and it's frustrating, so you know ultimately i'm now I'm wise to oxygen, and <clears throat> when so we're monitoring Grace's oxygen on our own, and if you just process, so you'd think, well, you know, we call out the faulty equipment, and you say, you think, well, what's the what's their motivation to have faulty equipment? Right. And in Grace's case, they only changed all these leads three times in the seven days she was in the hospital. I know that because I have the bill they sent to Medicaid. And
0: why do the leads get ruined so fast?
1: I don't, I don't know how fast they get ruined, uh, but she said they get sweaty. You know, so the patient's sweating and it must screw with the... Uh,
0: yeah, human with, uh... patients have been known to have sweat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's the blinding it's, flash of the object. It's like yeah,
0: somebody should have figured this out, right?
1: And I mean, she obviously knew the answer, but didn't want to do any, do anything about it. You know, I challenged the faulty equipment directly with the doctor. Nothing happened. Um, no. On Grace's on last day, they had oxygen readings on two different machines at forty four and sixty nine percent, and my daughter was reading it on the pulse ox at ninety three percent. You know, and so what is? It's almost
0: you- like they figure, well, you know, if this patient dies, we have other patients.
1: I'm positive that's the case, and they can justify. You know, if somebody's sharp enough to get the records after their loved one dies, and they yeah. see they put him on a vent, well, they can have faulty records to show that. Well, he, he was only at seventy percent oxygen. We had to put him on a vent. Right. But nobody's. How do how do these machines get calibrated? You know, and he would no- have
0: died much worse if it hadn't been for the ventilator.
1: Exactly. That's the excuses that you you. I mean, when you read the stories, I mean, it's 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 so egregious. So you know that oxygen thing. Now we're wise to. And the next day, I I don't want to invest a lot of time with this. Was October tenth, and ultimately the head nurse came in with an armed guard at seven o'clock in the morning. This is Sunday morning, and said you need to leave immediately. Mm -hmm. And you know the you know the the primary excuse was the last. The last three shifts of nurses don't want you in the room, and it's because I, you know, I was challenging. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, I did leave peacefully after about an hour. Uh, that was uh, maybe the hardest day of my life because they yeah, I gave, I gave Grace a hug. Um, yeah, I remember because on
0: a, on a deeper level, they have no right to chase you out of there.
1: well I agree, and uh. Um, but she said, you know, so the armed guard is there, and she said, we're going to call the Appleton police if you don't, you know, I argued with her for an hour. And uh, so I called an attorney friend of mine, and he recommended leaving peacefully. And so I did. And uh, the armed guard walked me out to my truck and, and said, Scott, you should take this to a higher level. So, I mean, it was.
0: In, it in other words, way. he realized that it wasn't right.
1: That's correct. So we, we had 44 hours then without an advocate in the room. And uh during that forty-four hours they ratchet up a drug called Presidex. This is a sedation med, and this is the first cause of death. So why don't you on.
0: spell spell that name for us?
1: Presidex is P R E C E D E X. Okay. Just like it sounds, press. But the this, the S is a C. Presedex. Okay. So this is a sedation med that's used for surgery. It's used to knock people up for surgery. Um, this is the there's is three causes of death in Grace's case. This is the first cause of death, and so Presedex yeah. is uh, is only, it, the reason they're using it with COVID. Is they have to sedate the patient to get a ventilator.
0: You know, exactly. Nobody have, would. Nobody would put up with it otherwise. Correct.
1: So basically, they're sedating them, you know, the entire time to get them set up for a vent. And so they kept sedating Grace, thinking, you know, eventually this family is going to allow us to do a vent. But the package insert, all these drugs have package inserts, which are the rules. in, In this one's case, it says, I'm just reading it right off of the package insert right now. Adverse reactions associated with infusions greater than 24 hours in duration include ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome, respiratory failure, and agitation. <clears throat> On Grace's death certificate, the first cause of death listed, the immediate cause of death, is acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. So, I mean, you heard me just get I just got done reading that this is a uh, a direct cause of using prasidex more than 24 hours. They had a, had Grace on it four full days before her last day. They started uh-huh. on October 9th and hypoxemia is another side effect of Prasadex. So that became, uh, and of course they list COVID-19 pneumonia as the second cause of death. So they can get, they got a $13,000 bonus for taking her out. Um, right so that's that's a fairly big deal you'll hear how that fits into the last day here when we get there so my my wife could not be the replacement advocate because she had covid my daughter jessica now came in to be the replacement advocate Uh, jessica will be 32 on on saturday to give you a perspective of her age Um,
0: did she get to be there while you were prevented from being there
1: no, because we had that gap. We had 44 hours where we had oh. to hire our, we had to hire Grace's special needs attorney to negotiate with the hospital attorney to get an advocate back in.
0: Oh, okay, which um, burned up which the time.
1: Very frustrating. So they increased the dosage of Presidex seven different times during that 44-hour window. So, so if
0: that, you had been sitting there, they would have had to ask you if they could do that, right?
1: Well, that's a great question. They would have had to ask me legally whether I'm sitting there or not.
0: Okay. It um, comes back they, to the informed consent issue. That's
1: correct. They never gave us informed consent on precedent.
0: And normally informed consent <laughs> is ignored.
1: Yes. Yes. Otherwise,
0: they'd be taking all their time saying, and there's 10 different ways this drug can kill you. Would you like to have some or this other one will kill you in 12 ways? And it would be bad for business to have informed consent with stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. And what what they already knew what I was doing, I mean, when they were telling me things, I was looking up the drugs. And so... the chief COVID guy in charge, his name was Dr. Zyman, you know, he wanted to put grace on toxilisumab right away. And so I asked him to spell it. I look it up. Yeah. And this guy had a monster chip on his shoulder. He was so arrogant. So I, I look it up. He comes back. What did you decide? And, and I had, done the research and i had the doctor who's helping on the outside do the research too and we both concluded no and so i showed him the study actually i didn't show him i saw i showed his companion dr leonard the study from the new england journal of medicine that showed that the placebo group did better than the drug and the drug has umpteen side effects i said so why would i do this to my daughter does it did
0: his attitude get any better when you did that
1: Oh, it, yeah, yeah, you bet it did. I mean, he gave me a big hug and kiss and said, boy, you really enlightened me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Can you I'm imagine joking. A,
0: yeah. a doctor with that much experience and that much intelligence, and it never occurred to him to question this stuff until then?
1: I mean, it was, I mean, he was, he was mad. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was hard to grasp. I mean, so then, the blood gas numbers were charted on the wall in Grace's room. I had another doctor chart him so I could understand this. So I could see trends. So then he starts, when I when I told him about Toxalicetab, he started in, well, what does that mean? What are those numbers there? And I said, right. well, those are the blood gas Did numbers. Did you show that. him
0: your little oxygen meter that you brought from him? <laughs> I
1: mean, he, he just wanted so, to make me look, he's going to show me that I don't know anything. Um, so he was going to put me in my place. Right. It was interesting. But, wow. Okay, so now anyway, Jessica gets in the room. Um, the you know they she a funny story. So Jessica, uh, uh, she had they made her gown up. You know when they they didn't make me gown up. Because I challenged it, I said, "What is the reason you want me to gown up?" Because they told me I'm going to get COVID. So I said, "What? What am I protecting?" I said, "You guys are coming in here in spacesuits, so they didn't make me gown up. Well, they made Jessica gown up, and she didn't feel comfortable challenging because I had just got kicked out two days earlier. Right. So you know, she goes in the room with Grace, and Grace, you know, she starts talking to Grace, but she's got everything on. So Grace says to her, "You sound just like my big sister, Jessica." And Jess says, I am your big sister, Jessica, and Grace gives her a look like that can 't be, uh, but Jessica has tattoos on both of her arms, so she takes up her sleeves and shows her, and they get they give a big hug and wow it was, it was just it was fantastic so grace's uh, last night on this earth was October twelfth yeah um, Jessica recorded grace 's oxygen all night long at ninety eight ninety nine percent um before Grace went to bed, she sat up in the bed, and Jessica called her two boys, Grace's nephews, on FaceTime. Through the BiPAP, Grace waves at them and hollers, hi, boys. You know, So even, you know, just just thought Grace was, well, she's awful sleepy, but she just thought, well, she's in the hospital, you know, but she's sleepy because they got her on Presidex. Right. So at this time, she's on this drug four full days, but you can still tell by what I'm telling you, she's she's still normal. And yeah, so she no, had
0: a lot of resistance to the correct.
1: drug. Yeah, she was she was a tough kid. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the next morning, now I'm going to walk through what happened. And so this will cover the second and third causes of death. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of detail here that I want to cover. So at yeah. approximately o'clock, the doctor called Cindy and I. This is on Grace's last day, October 13th. And the, the purpose of his call was to ask our decision on a ventilator. He had called us the night before, uh, went through all this rigmarole with a ventilator, really drilled it down, you know, and, and so we said, no, we're not doing a ventilator. And I think we sealed Grace's, Deaf that day by saying no i think they finally realized we are not going to convince this family and the statistics that day the hospital was at maximum capacity the emergency room was at maximum capacity and they were only making sixteen hundred eighty dollars a day on grace because we would not approve a ventilator
0: so, so that so, must have been you know, very that, stressful for them psychologically that they were losing yeah,
1: all that money. Right? You're losing all that money. So I believe we sealed her fate that day. Um, well, yeah, yeah but you couldn't
0: have done anything different because if agree you agreed it, to it, the ventilator is a weapon anyway.
1: Correct. She would have just died a different day. But, you know, I just, you know, as I look at it now, that's, that's, of course, speculation. So there's evidence that is direct evidence. I'm going to go through that, but there's also circumstantial evidence. Okay. And so that example with where the mon- the financial situation and the statistics for bed capacity, that's all true, but it's circumstantial evidence. It doesn't prove anything. It just is another piece of the puzzle. Um Right there was a 14 year icu nurse in charge of grace's care that day uh, so just process that when we go through the story uh, so it wasn't a rookie um so now after we get done talking about the ventilator the doctor says to us um i think we need to start working on nutrition um because you know we got to work on uh, getting grace ready to get out of here and so Grace is malnourished at this point because they wouldn't let me feed her. They wouldn't let Jess feed her. And the nurses sedated her instead of feeding her. And they only gave her a few protein shakes. So we foolishly agreed to a feeding tube. And I say foolishly in light of the fact that, you know, now we understand the malnourishment was self-inflicted. But Grace also had a pick line so she could have been fed TPN food. But he convinced us to do the feeding tube. And I think, so this is another piece of circumstantial evidence and you'll see how that fits into the story when I go through the timeline. Uh, So we agree to this thing. So now the next, so then in that same phone call, I do want to cover this because I, I want to make sure I want to make sure people understand the concept. So then he starts going through. So he's, he's, he said, uh, you know, what's your decision on a ventilator? We said no. Then he says, Grace had such a good day yesterday. We should work on nutrition. So then we approve a feeding tube. Then he goes, then he starts going into this hypothetical discussion about a uh, do not resuscitate, which is a DNR. Says, you know, the, you know, what would you guys want to do if this happened? And we're thinking, you know, what are you even talking about? We're talking about getting Grace and nutrition to get, it, get her out and, um, you know, so, but he asked you know this this idea, well, you know, would you you know if grace is at the point where she can't even be resuscitated, should we just keep resuscitating her over and over? What do you want to do? He said, well, of course, you're not going to keep resuscitating over and over and over that that would never make sense to anybody uh so that those three things happen in this conversation, mm-hmm. so now Jessica says to we're done." she says to the 14-year ICU nurse that she wants to take a shower or that she's going to take a shower. And the nurse says to her, well, you can't take a shower in the room. And Jessica said, well, when my dad was here, he took a shower in the room. So what What do you mean? She said, I don't care what we did for your dad. You need to go home and take a shower. So again, Jessica being at least a little bit afraid of being kicked out because I was now kicked out just three days earlier, decides, okay, I'll go home and take a shower. Again, circumstantial evidence, but significant. She comes back inside of an hour. She overhears the head doctor and another doctor and this nurse in the hallway say, the family's not going to like this. So she asks, what are they going to like? And they said, we had to restrain Grace while you were gone, which means they strapped her down to the bed. So she said, why? Well, she wanted to get out of the bed and go to the bathroom. So oh, they, strapped her, her. they strapped her down instead of helping her get out of the bed to go to the bathroom.
0: You, you, and, you might come to the conclusion that these people are criminally insane.
1: Well, you I didn't agree. didn't know better, with right? This is what made me research the Down syndrome thing because I think they did this because they could. Again, circumstantial evidence. Um so they made her poop in the bed. Now they wow. take off constraints. All the while they're using each step as an excuse to ratchet up precedex further. Wow. Um, at ten forty eight in the morning. Um now I'm gonna go through these times. Is Each of these things is time-stamped in the records. I have this on Grace's website on the tragedy tab. Uh, it's under Thou Shall Not Kill, and it's got the timeline stamped. So at 10.48, now they have her on a near-max dose of Presidex. So this is the dose that would knock, you know, starts getting you ready for surgery, near-max dose. At 11.25, they gave her a dose of lorazepam, which is an anti-anxiety med. She's, she's already almost completely... Out of it, but they give you
0: you have to decode what anti-anxiety means.
1: Well, that would mean to to if somebody's anxious about some something to give them a med so it stops their anxiety.
0: It's a depressant.
1: Correct. It's a depressant. Exactly right. Um, and there's the, the package insert for morphine, which is, you'll hear that coming up, says to not combine these three drugs, Presidex, lorazepam, or morphine, because it can cause death. So now they give her this lorazepam. So that's at 11.25. At 11.37, they insert the feeding, tube. So if nutrition was so important, would you think they would start feeding her then? But they wait two hours and... 22 minutes to x-ray that the feeding tube is in the right place. So at, at one fifty-nine in the afternoon, they do an x-ray and now start feeding her. And at this point, Grace is knocked out. Right. So they, they start feeding her after she's knocked out. And just is in the room. She knows Grace is knocked out. Grace never recovered from that.
0: Right. So and this, say, this makes sense then why they talk about DNR, because they knew on some level that this was going to happen.
1: And I'll just jump to that. you know we'll go into the detail, but we found out um, subsequent to Tom Wren's getting involved because um, the the medical malpractice nurse said we were missing at least a thousand pages of records, and so when she got those extra records, we found out they put the d n r on at ten fifty six that morning, so that was only eight minutes after matching her out on the precedex, which one of the attorneys believes that. You know They had to do it. You just came to that same conclusion. They had to get this DNR in place to, right. to accomplish the dirty work. It's part.
0: almost like they practiced this routine before. Grace was not the first one.
1: Well, that's why I'm saying I believe it's premeditated. At 5.46, they gave her another dose of lorazepam. Three minutes later, another dose. And at 6.15, they gave her a 2-milligram dose of morphine as an IV push. So now in 29 minutes, she has this near-max dose Presidex, two doses of lorazepam and morphine, which that would have taken you and I and anybody out. Right. So that's, that's cause of death number two is that med combination. And for that med combination, where I go to it being premeditated is for that med combination to happen, the doctor in charge had to sign off, a pharmacist had to sign off, the alarm system would have went off because of the package insert for morphine saying that these meds cause death when used in combination. And the 14 year ICU nurse had to make a decision to inject grace with those meds. So now between grace died at 7:27, So an hour and, and an hour and uh, 12 minutes later, just starts feeling grace getting cold, um, Sometime, plus or minus 7 o'clock, she goes and asks the ICU nurse to take a temp. She said, that's normal, um, just cover with a blanket. Once they gave Grace morphine, no nurse or doctor stepped foot into that room. Even though the package insert says specifically you're supposed to monitor the patient and keep the reversal drug bedside, neither of those happen. Jessica called Mm -hmm. Cindy and I at 720 on a FaceTime call panicking. And she said, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. And I said, get the nurses in. She said, they won't come in. I've been trying. She estimated 30 nurses in the hallway at this point. So Cindy and I start screaming, save our daughter. And that's when we learned there was a DNR because they holler back. She's DNR. And we holler back, she's not DNR, save our daughter. And this whole DNR situation violates seven state statutes. The most egregious is, even if Grace would have put a DNR order on herself, I'll just read the state statutes. It says, a guardian or healthcare agent may revoke a a DNR order by giving directions to resuscitate the patient. So no matter who put it on, if the doctor put it on, Grace put it on, which the doctor put it on illegally. But if Grace would have put it on herself legally, by my wife had the, was the healthcare agent by us saying she's not DNR, save our daughter, that created the legal obligation to null and void the DNR and use the right. reverse drug. They refused to do it. And we watched.
0: It sounds it. like a well rehearsed routine.
1: That's what I think. And, you know, it's even worse than that. There was an armed guard posted outside the room during this whole time. And we know that because after everything was done that night, Jessica told us about the armed guard and we know he was posted because after Grace died, Jessica crawled in bed with her and held her until I could get Cindy to the hospital. And that armed guard stood outside the nurse's window and watched Jessica the entire time. How we got clued into this is that evening after Cindy and and Jess cleaned Grace up, our pastor met us there. He walked Cindy out in a wheelchair, and one of the nurses had Grace's belongings on a cart and leaned down and said to Cindy, um, "Me and several nurses don't think Grace should have died today." And that opened up, you know, all this research that I am summarizing for you right now.
0: We need to get to the. Um conclusion of this and and is it okay for you to give us a few minutes extra for, over what we talked about yes or, because we need to do that extra segment at the end yes and I, I don't want to cut this short at all this is really important the time yes, just so goes fast
1: I, it does so that's the that's the story so what other questions do you have
0: well i think what's important from a story like that uh I feel fine for Grace now. I'm sure she's doing great, but it's really hard on the people who are still here. You know, the one, it's, it's kind of a reverse for the conventional point of view. You feel sorry for people that are dead in quotes. I think the dead people are the ones who are still trapped in what they call being alive. But when you look at a story like that, um, what's important is the lessons from it. And what does it say to do? So, what do you think the most important things to learn from that whole experience might be?
1: Well, there's, there's two. I mean, from the physical perspective, is, you know, if you believe what I am saying, all beliefs cause an action. So, if you believe what I'm saying, the action that should be produced is to not trust the white coat until they've earned it. And better yet, vet the local hospitals and white coats ahead of time and get involved with somebody who's medically trained that is not been bought by the system. So, I mean, that's the, that's so obvious from this story. Um, if you don't believe what I'm saying, um, That's your choice, but then you also have the consequences. If you wonder, take a look at Grace's website. I have all this research that I just referenced. It's all posted. Take a look for yourself and then start going on some alternative medias and see the consistency of of what I'm talking about.
0: Did you ask the question, if this is what's going on at this particular hospital, is this common or unique?
1: Did I ask that question?
0: I would imagine it would come up.
1: Well, you know, we requested a meeting with the, the hospital CEO and the doctor, and they refused to meet. So, I mean, I've never got a chance to ask any of these questions um, of them. We sent them all the research and requested a meeting. And, you know, at that point, I was pretty naive in all of this. I just thought mm-hmm. well, they would want to know what they did and repent of it. And so then they could stop it. You know, I didn't realize at that point, you know, this was back in on November 8th when we requested a meeting. Grace D died on October 13th. So I didn't realize they're all in on this at that point.
0: Right. You know, but I
1: have I, a lot of different perspective today.
0: What I'm asking about is not whether it's unique in that hospital, you know, for more patients. I'm asking about whether you ever looked at whether this is common among other hospitals.
1: It's, this is common throughout the entire world right now.
0: That's, um, that's but, the point. Yeah. yeah. This is a gigantic. It's extremely problem.
1: Common. This, this is not an anomaly. And right. so if you think that this story, boy, you know, poor family, poor grace, you know, I'm sorry that happened to them. Um, this is not like, um, getting struck by lightning. This is not an anomaly. This is, this is common, you know, and it's the same thing when you start looking at vaccines, the vaccine or the jab, you know, yeah. when you start hearing about, well, people are dying in their sleep and all that, you know, these are not exceptions. These are the rules. I mean, no. we're going to see way more cancer, way more deaths, right? You know, but nobody seems to. Be connecting the dots. I mean, you and I are, but you—well, boy, that's so strange. This person died, and that person died, and people are dying in their sleep. And it's like, remember
0: what you mentioned—the Milgram experiment, right? Correct. Blind trust of authority.
1: Yep, that's what's happening here. Uh, Then, of course, the spiritual side is the is the more important side. I mean, we we feel that um, God is using us to call people back to himself I mean so it's, it's I think time is urgent I mean this is, yeah. this is a time like we've never seen before and you know for people to get right with God if you know him already you know wake up and be part oh. of sharing the message and if you don't know him um, you know, this is this is the time you know time is short
0: but it also means a change in behavior of the blind trust while we're here right that's exactly in right other words. It's it's not, I mean, there are times when you can't avoid going to the hospital, but it's it's gotten to be, it's not even safe to get hit by a car anymore. Because what happens is when you get taken in, you're involved in the system and it's designed to ensnare you. It's not easy to get out unscathed.
1: It's it's right on. I mean, that's why I believe you've got to vet uh, the local hospitals beforehand and i mean you've got to bring an advocate with you and i mean you've got to just be bold this is not a time to be timid I right. mean, your loved one is going to die if they get into most hospitals and it's, it's by design
0: i don't think most people have ever heard of the advocate idea
1: and we, hmm. we have some links in the resource tab of grace's website on advocacy you know as these things we've discovered there's we just put resources on the website so people can find things easily.
0: Right. 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 Um, so I guess as a, a final part, what, what's happening now, what's the current status of the legal process and what you're doing at this point?
1: So we've had, uh, two meetings with the legal team now. So Tom Renz is heading up the legal team. Yeah. Um, I had a long meeting with them on Monday. Um, and basically, it came out of the first meeting where I had made the suggestion because of, of how many hours I have in the story. I said, I think you guys need, you need to interview me because it'll save you a bunch of time versus going through all the records from scratch. So they did that. Yeah. And, um, so it's going to be several weeks now before you're going to see the needle moving on a public basis. Um, but they're, they're looking at using Grace's case as a national
0: test case. Um, that sounds great. Now what, who are the defendants in the case is it just the hospital or can you I I would hope that you could involve the individuals that I you, believe, you dealt with
1: Yeah I I'm not going to know that until they they lay this the whole thing out on paper but I believe that's what they're going to do I mean they they mentioned that before when we had the meetings but you yeah know. They have to ultimately decide that strategy, but it—it you know, it seems like we should cast a wide net. Oh,
0: I think so because um, what would be nice is to decrease the motivation for employees to just follow orders and kill people.
1: That's right, Tom. That's what Tom convinced me of. I, we weren't going to do a lawsuit, and then, uh, as God would have it, I met Tom in February, and uh, then he convinced me that this is the this is probably the fastest way we can stop this behavior.
0: Yeah, because otherwise, people say, "Well, I'm just following orders." Right.
1: So, and then where, where we're headed with our research is is in this. Um, Comparison. We're, we're, we think this is a genocidal movement, and so that's mm-hmm. what we're starting to to research that whole piece. And you know, eventually we'll we'll make our research public, and um, then I'm sure there'll be even a bigger target on our back. But we got to get this out.
0: Yeah, that's always the question. I mean, that's why people follow orders is because you know, if I don't follow my boss's orders, um, not only will I lose money, but you know, the whole system could be against me. It's going to be terrible. And it's the right. same as your decision whether to tell the truth and have the target on your back or just go along with it and, you know, be quiet. Same decision for everybody, especially all the employees of the system.
1: That's that's right on. I mean, this, right. that is the fastest way that this could end is if the the employees in the system... Um, let their consciences be their guide, and right. and said no, no more. I, I can't do this. Become
0: anymore. whistleblowers, correct? You know, I mean, I know Project Veritas is pretty busy right now, but the whole area of hospital exposure to what's really going on. You you mentioned the Hippocratic Oath before, and yeah. that used to be taken seriously at one time. I don't know if it was ever fully followed, but as i remember hippocrates which is a lot smarter doctor than many of them now said he didn't say well don't kill too many people you know compared to the ones that you help he said don't do any harm at all none right and use natural medicine like what you eat it's come a long way from that
1: that's right on I have the Hippocratic Oath on Grace's website too, and all the violations that took place in Grace's situations. And there's so much on there. As, wow, as you looked at it already.
0: So, what would you like to suggest that everybody do? And are there ways that they should support you or um, support the work that you're doing? Or, you know, what what would you like people to do?
1: Sure, there's. There's three things that people could specifically do. One is, you know, pray for our protection, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: A reasonable thing to, it's it's not just reasonable, I think it might be the most important thing. Um, Yeah. Then you can share this, you know, so, you know, if every single person who hears this tells one other person, we just doubled the reach. So, I mean, share, share this.
0: In and other words, don't don't just listen and say, "Well, that was interesting. What's next?" Correct. Do Take something. it seriously.
1: <laughs> At least share it with one other person. Yeah. And um, third is, if you want to help, we have a "How can you help?" tab on the website. So the website is ouramazinggrace.net. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a gift send go there. Uh, so we're. Um, we're starting the. You know, we've raised about thirty thousand so far, and so we're raising money now. Uh, we have we have a fair sum in this. We have billboards up, and so that's why we have we have Good. over three, we have over three hundred thousand of our own money in this, and you know mm-hmm. it's going to be another three hundred thousand for the lawsuit. So, wow. you know if people yeah, are pe- inclined to help, I'd appreciate that.
0: People should give you as much money as possible, and I would think not just for the billboards and the lawsuit, but uh wouldn't hurt to give you some money for security, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't know if you can see my security in the... Oh, yeah, it's right in the... You see in the back corner over there? I got my, my, 12, my loaded 12 gauges in the corner, that's my security right now.
0: Oh, I, I just see a dark line. That must be
1: it. Okay, yeah, that's the... <laughs> that's very
0: good security, and it's a good price. Good price, too. <laughs> totally agree with that. And you, and you know... The system agrees that that's really good security because they're trying to get rid of it, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: They're very good guidance, you know. <laughs> Whatever they tell you is horrible must be really good.
1: Right.
0: Vice versa. Okay, well, it. I'm really privileged that you're willing to take the time to explain this all to us and share it, and um, grace is part of everybody's family. You know, we're not, one of the big confusions is that we're supposed to believe that we're all separate from each other and we're supposed to fight about everything that's the main thing and hate people and look for reasons for division and say if you don't believe exactly the same thing or come from the right country or have the same uh, background or so-called race or whatever um, that you have to be against each other and that allows this stuff to keep going If we just realize that we're all in the same family from the same original home, then uh, we should just be helping each other, not because we have to, but because we want to, spontaneous.
1: That's a great perspective, Richard. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Hopefully everybody um, responds and share it everywhere. And then if there are important updates and you have any time in the future, maybe you can come back and let us know what happens.
1: I'd be be glad
0: to. Thank you. Yeah, neat. Okay, hold on. I'm going to say goodbye in the break here. All right. Okay, you guys, that was pretty emotional and intense and real. And that was Scott Shira. Um, Great person, in my opinion. Uh, being willing to share his really personal experience with his daughter, Grace. Um, before she died, what happened, what she went through how that could be changed and how it could help everybody. It's really relevant, and we got to go through quite a bit. We're just living in such a, I don't even know how to describe it, it's a really unnatural situation, it seems to me, that normal people, without being subject by the enslaving mind programs, we would just be helping each other, we would be discovering natural ways to stay healthy and maximize life quality. And if somebody's sick, we'd be looking for natural and, and powerful ways to help them get better, which is what Hippocrates was talking about uh, 2,500 years ago or so, I think, <coughs> saying in medicine, do no harm, Not like no harm. He didn't say, we'll try to match the harm with the amount of people that you think you might be helping and make sure it's reasonable. He said, don't do any harm at all. You know, first, like not one of the side issues, he said, first, do no harm. And that doctors used to take an oath to obey that. And if they any of them still do take that oath, they break it immediately because almost all of the, uh, I think they call them medicines, poisonous chemicals, drugs, that are designed by the medical system are designed to cause harm. And there's a long backstory to that, but it's really true. They're not, they are not—they don't just say, well, rats, we didn't know it would cause harm. Um, I think rats is okay to say on a family show, right? Uh, it actually causes harm intentionally. That's a whole different situation. So that's what Scott Sherrod discovered with his daughter. And her death and her all of her incredible suffering that she went through and that the family went through is intended to do good in the end because it can warn people, you know, if you're in a hospital situation like that, get an advocate, find out what that means. Go to, uh, go to the site, ouramazinggrace.net. And there's a lot of stuff on that site. I haven't read absolutely all of it, but I've read a lot. And information about advocates is there plus we're going to be finding uh we're going to be finding time to do a show in the near future with one of the advocates that started uh one of the main advocate companies and i'll tell you about that soon we're discussing the possible times for it now and in fact michelle routon the nurse that we had on before has worked a lot as an advocate saying um no, you can't do that murderous therapy on the patient that has hired me as an advocate. We're going to do this instead. And when the patient is qualified to leave, we're leaving, we're not staying around for the part where they die. We don't need that part, regardless of how profitable to you or the hospital it might be. Advocates can really do a lot of good because they have some clarity and background knowledge about what the so-called medicines really are and what they do. And most of us don't. Most of the doctors don't even know what the... I hate calling them medicines. They're toxic chemicals, but they're widely known as medicines. And most of the doctors don't even know what the medicines do. And when more than one medicine gets into the same human body and starts interacting... And just remember that medicines go to the entire body every time. They don't say... Well, molecules, let's get together and only go to the liver or something. That's not what happens. And they were saying with the the injections up until recently, maybe they still do, <clears throat> claiming that the, the material, the toxic liquid that comes through the injector needle, stays in the shoulder muscle, the deltoid. That's a totally ridiculous idea that they would even bother to say it. But they figure that we're just so brainwashed that we'll say, oh, it just stays in the shoulder. That's why it's safe and effective and it saves your life. And if you get sick, it means it's working. And if you die, it means it's really working, though we'd fall for that. So Scott Jarrett just recently woke up to how all that fits together and is doing some great work. Um I really appreciate his taking some time to come on a show like ours after being on newsmax and all these really big high-profile shows it's uh, a pleasure to get to help in some way spread the knowledge that he's acquired so it could help other people avoid a similar fate and hopefully help upgrade the healthcare system to where it has actually a relation to real health so thank you scott i really appreciate your work and um Remember the site, ouramazinggrace.net. The song that goes with it is great in honor of Grace herself. And remember to keep in touch with us at lostartsradio.com. And there are all kinds of free uh, resources there in terms of articles and videos almost every day replaced or added to, I should say. And this is all commercial free. If you have resources and want to help us stay on the air, that would be greatly appreciated too. If you have the ability to do that, there's a donate button at lostartsradio.com and also a subscribe star link and a Bitcoin link as well. So, um, main message though is take care of yourself. Don't have blind trust in authority. It's a very dangerous thing to do. Follow the science like CDC and FDA and everybody says you should, except one little change. Follow real science not just blindly what the authorities say. And that you're going to have to find out with your own investigation, even though the media has said, oh, never do your own research. That's the most dangerous thing. You're not qualified. You don't even own a research lab. How could you possibly do your own research? The reason they're telling you not to do it is because it's critical for you to do it. And in the environment that we're in right now, you really need to do a lot of self-education. It's not worth paying the price to not do it. So take care of yourself. Um, share it with people that are receptive, including your own family. And be an example of what you learn, what you believe is true from experience. And uh, spread it without even having to convince anybody just by what you become. Um, I think that's the message. And support Scott if you can. Uh he needs money, Scott Sarah at dot net. They need money for lawyers. And uh even though he's got a security system in the room where he's talking, uh they could probably use additional security. So help him out, okay? And if you're a friendly billionaire, send him money. You know, in fact if you're a friendly billionaire, even if you have no interest in supporting us at all, I want to talk to you about the things that are needed. Uh, that you could really make a huge difference in the brief time that you're alive in this lifetime. Money's not bad. It all depends what you do with it. So make it count and take care of yourself. Upgrade your own physical health and awareness, and um, you'll spread it automatically. So thanks for the time of being with us. I appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you here again next show.
2: Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com slash live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the ten most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideion.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.